Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. May is Lupus Awareness Month. It's an opportunity for the lupus community to join together across the country to raise awareness of the physical, emotional, and economic impact of lupus. Lupus is a chronic, long-term disease that can cause inflammation and pain in any part of the body. It's an autoimmune disease, which means that the immune system, the body system that usually fights infection, attacks healthy tissue instead. Joining us today is lupus warrior Christina Hayes. Christina was diagnosed at the age of 19 years old after experiencing different symptoms in her body. It took a lot of research and advocacy for her health to get answers to help address what was going on inside her body. Now in her 30s, this mother supports other lupus warriors, not just as part of Lupus Detroit, but through her own Christina Project. The mission of the Christina Project is to provide inspiration, comfort, and care to patients with lupus and lupus-related conditions that are hospitalized and their families providing outreach, education, marketing, and advocacy strategies designed to assist people with lupus. Her advocacy extends beyond the lupus community. Working with a coalition which includes Mothering Justice, a group of activist mothers and supporters, Christina uses her personal life experiences to lobby for paid sick leave in the state of Michigan and nationally. Christina, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. Well, it's May, and May is Lupus Awareness Month. And as anyone who has followed this show knows, like, from the early days, I always try to focus on Lupus Detroit. It's one of my favorite organizations. Its executive director and founder, Sharon Harris, is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, (laughs) followed closely by her mother. Um, I tried to attend the event. I mean, it's just awesome. Each year, we didn't that so much last year because of COVID. Um, after a while, Sharon was like, you know, you don't need to hear about me. You need to, you need to talk to warriors. So this year, I'm, I'm saying like Sharon, pandemic's lightening up. We're going to have an event. I need to talk to someone. And she gave me 
Christina Hayes. And, you know, there's six degrees of separation because when I, I looked you up, Christina, I saw you're working with so many people who I know and I respect and I admire on things, on issues that I respect and I admire. Christina, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So where is home? Are you always from Detroit? Um, I am actually from Inkster, Michigan, so actually right outside of Detroit is where I'm Mm -hmm. from. Well, you know, Inkster, it's just a suburb of Detroit, you know, and and you're still in Detroit. Exactly. (laughs) It's little Detroit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So how did you, well, first of all, your journey with lupus, when did you discover or find out, get diagnosed with lupus? Yeah, for me, um, with my journey with lupus, um, it's been quite a long road. Um, growing up as a child, I was out of three siblings. I was always the child that was always catching a cold, having a bad asthma flare-up in the winter time with bronchitis and just always having different ailments. So I think possibly going way, way, way back to my childhood, I could have possibly been showing signs of an autoimmune issue, but we never knew back then because it's not much awareness about different autoimmune things like lupus. But, um, yeah, so growing up, I would often get sick, and then um, I started to thrive and be a socialite and attend all different functions. And then I, you know, graduated from high school and was doing well, and I got into college, and I was very active, and um, I was in my sophomore year going to Eastern Michigan University, and um, I just slowly started to get very fatigued. That was my first symptom. Um, I started to sleep through the whole day. Um, I would take a nap and still be really, really tired. And I was wondering, what is wrong with me? And I was starting to miss classes. So I started to go to uh, my doctor appointments and just letting my doctor know, like, something is wrong with me. Like, I'm just really tired. And one time she, my doctor said, well, maybe you had a flu and, like, told me to take like different uh, over-the-counter medications. So I was doing that. But then I started getting worse, and oh. I got to the point I had a – yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Did you say something? Oh, yeah, so um, my symptoms were getting worse. It got to a point where I had my little campus apartment, like right across the street, and I would go grocery shopping, and I had to call my mom to tell her, I'm so weak, I can't even carry this gallon of milk in the house. Like, this is getting crazy. Something is really wrong. And at that point, I had already been to my primary care doctor about 10 times getting doctor's notes for all these different ailments, doctor's notes because I needed to send them to my professors at school so they wouldn't hold it against me that I missed class or I missed an assignment. I was just falling so behind and trying to figure out what's going on with me but getting weaker and physically just feeling crazy. I felt like at the time I was only 19 and I was feeling like I'm like 80 years old. I was getting arthritis pains and fibromyalgia, so my muscles were aching. And I tell people to describe it to you. I felt like the Tin Man 
um, off Wizard of Oz. Like, I always need some oils. I was moving really slow and just hurting all the time and just fatigued. And my friends really noticed the difference. So what I had to do was ask my primary care doctors to please send me to a specialist. And they sent, she sent me to U of M Hospital in Ann Arbor. And they ran all my blood work, and that's when they um, gave me a diagnosis there um, saying that um, I have a kind of a mix of a mixed connective tissue disease. So it's an overlapping of three different autoimmune diseases. But the main one I'm affected by is lupus. And um, so pretty much my journey with lupus is it took a, a lot of advocating, which I found out with other lupus warriors, it takes a lot of advocating and constantly fighting to tell a medical um, a medical professional that something is wrong with me, even though it might not look like it to you, because on the outside I look fine, but I'm feeling all of this pain on the inside. So just to get a diagnosis was rather tough. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, from, to everybody who I've talked to, there is so many similarities of that, you know, something's wrong something's wrong, something's wrong, and getting treated from everything imaginable before getting that diagnosis. I remember um, one of the lupus warriors who I talked to a couple years ago, she was in the hospital. They were talking about amputating a leg before someone said, wait, you know, you need to see someone else about this. And that, I mean, are you still, as you as you talk to other people and you meet other people about lupus, or do you find yourself telling people your story in hopes not only to advocate for lupus, but to advocate for medical professionals, particularly who deal with black and brown people, to not just say, well, here, take something for your cold, or you're just tired, or you're just, you know, whatever, to look at is this lupus and to make families aware because that's the other part of the story that I hear is like the families didn't know what was going on. Oh, she's just sickly or something like that. How big is, do you see your role as a lupus warrior in, you know, spreading the word? Oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of lupus, well, when I had, when I first started my journey with lupus, I wasn't talking about it out loud to people. I didn't want to worry anybody, and that's a lot of lupus warriors. We don't want people asking 27 times a day, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Because you, 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 you don't want people to worry or be too concerned, so I wasn't sharing or talking anything about my story, it was until um, I was 23 years old and I was in a coma for two weeks, or no, really, mm -hmm. like 30 days it was, and it was because my blood pressure had got so high, the doctors couldn't control it, um, but thanks to everybody who prayed for me and my mom who stayed by my side, um, I woke up from that coma, and my mom decided to start what's called the Christina Project just to share our story and her being by my side and nobody knowing what lupus was and the effects it was having on my life. And I felt it was important from that point on since I survived that flare and I woke up from that coma, it was time to talk about lupus and see who else knew about it. What were you doing to cure yourself? You know, what's 
what can we do, like, to get more awareness out there so that more of these doctors can, you know, look at people like us and know what's going on or how to treat us. And um, doing the Christina Project, what I decided to do is um, go and visit lupus warriors in the hospital because me, myself, I've been in the hospital over 100 times with different flares, and it's such a blessing that I've had my family members and friends visit me, but a lot of lupus warriors don't have people advocating for them in the hospital. So I go and I sit and visit with lupus warriors, and that's how I get to hear what's going on. You kind of can tell what doctors pay attention and actually listen to you, and that's really important. And I'm very blessed with a wonderful rheumatologist at the University of Michigan, and what she does, she uh, teaches medical students, and she would have me uh, help host her um, medical panel. And I would sit on her panel, and we would talk about the importance of a doctor-patient relationship because me and her are so great, and she's not a doctor that will just push all these pills on you because a lot of lupus warriors also need to know, of course, don't just take all these medications and not know the side effects, and doctors need to know the importance of talking to patients too. So, Ooh, I could go on and on, but I'm a patient um, advocate as well at the hospital through my doctor, Dr. Monrad, at the University of Michigan Hospital. And I've talked to over 300 medical students, and they've now, like, graduated and are doctors now, and they see me in the <laughs> hospital, and they remember my story just telling them it's so important to actually listen and look at your patients to know what's going on with them because we know our bodies better than anybody else. <laughs> You know, one of the things that and I always tell people, you know, I think I just think like lupus warriors are just phenomenal. And, you know, you've gone through so much. You know, you really have. You've gone through so much, but it seems like you and everyone I meet, it's not like they go like, oh, and woe is me. It's like, okay, I didn't just survive this. I'm going to thrive. I'm going to do it. But then that reaching out to other people who are in the hospital, who are struggling, who are doing it. I mean, and here it's like something about it, about this disease that inspires you to, to do this, to do this work. Do you ever have people, like, when you start to do it and they look at it, and, you know, and, I, and I'll continue. In fact, one of the things that got me to talk to Sharon is, like, she had a T-shirt that said, pretty disabled. Because often when she was trying to tell people that she was sick, they'd look at it, oh, girl, you look great. You don't have anything. Do you find that, and that's really one of the things about lupus. I mean, let's face it, Tony Braxton, who's gorgeous, you know, she has lupus, that people often look at you and don't see you as someone with a disability. Yes, that is so, that's the one of the toughest things about lupus because it's called an invincible disease, meaning that people who have it don't even look like it. So you get referred to as lazy when you really just can't get out the bed because you're in so much pain. I've heard so many mothers say that my husband, he called me lazy because I really told him, I begged him to please go get the kids from school because I didn't have the energy to get out the bed. They weren't lazy that day. They just were struggling so bad and when people don't get it or know I tell people I don't know if you ever seen the movie Green Mile but 
the guy, he had the ability to touch somebody and felt every mm-hmm. confliction they felt in their body. That's the scary thing. I don't. I wouldn't want somebody to feel what I'm going through, but if you could touch me and just know. And then, like, for me, I was going through kidney failure as well, having lupus, and I was going to get chemotherapy um, twice out the month. And it, I say chemotherapy is a soul killer drug. I was throwing mm-hmm. up, holding on to the toilets and just throwing up all night, but then I would try to go and support my girls who were in college, you know, had a dance uh, a dance competition that night, and here I go straight from chemo to there, and you wouldn't look at me and know I just had chemo because maybe my hair hasn't completely fallen out like most cancer patients do, but uh-huh. the same treatment for lupus is treated just like cancer, so we get the same medications and still supposed to walk around and be the strong and almighty through life, and it's really, really tough. <laughs> hmm I mean, you know, like I said, I'm always impressed. I mean, I went to one lupus walk, and there was a woman there who was um, manning the table. She had just got off the hospital. She said, well, I can't walk. I'm too tired to walk. She said, but I can be here and help with the table. Exactly. I mean, you know, wow. Well, and that's the beautiful thing. We, we figure it out. Like, we, we still try to be present and be there. And, like, one thing about having lupus, it was a blessing to find Sharon and Lupus Detroit because going to her support meetings, I was able to connect with other lupus warriors and see what's working for them to help them feel better. And just to feel and know you're not alone in this struggle and this fight with having a chronic illness is everything. Having support and other people is just awesome. Well, I like that you went ahead and, you, and you've got your Christina project. It's a 501c3, correct? And, and no, it's actually not a, it's not a 501c3 just yet. It just started out. It's right now I'm working on that paperwork to get it official. What happened was I started going into hospitals visiting lupus warriors, and it just kind of went became a viral thing. It was like one person telling another person, and my phone kept ringing with lupus warriors to go see about in the hospital, so it's just, and I've just been, people ask me how I do it because I'm not an official 501c3 yet, and I tell them I'm just, God is blessing me every time to get mm-hmm. gifts to give to people or people just pour in because they just see what I'm doing, so it's just been awesome. So I can't wait till I am official and to work with Sharon and, and all the other lupus warriors because I told Sharon what she did was she saw the need of what Lupus Warriors is. What do they need? What do they need help with? She has a foundation now that's uh, being able to help with the emergency grant fund for if you get about to get your lights turned off. My DTE was about to be turned off, and thanks to that grant, she was able to help me send the monies on the DTE, and I didn't have to worry about that. When you're just trying to feel good and just to have that support and something like that is just so amazing. Well, you know, and I think that's the great thing also about the Christina Project because, like, there is an official lupus organization which is raising money primarily for uh, research and something bigger things. But that, like you said, that little thing about getting your lights on or when you're laying there in the hospital wondering, you know, what's going to hit me next, you know, how much more that I, I can take. Mm-hmm. And here comes a smiling face. Not just someone who's like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm just dropping by to, you know, because it's my job, but it, it's because you've <laughs> walked a mile in their shoes. You know? Yes. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like having somebody come in that can relate to you. And it was like my first time when I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I didn't know what to expect, but the first young lady I went and visited when I was about to leave out the room, we took her tons of balloons and all these roses. It was so pretty. But right before I was leaving out, she grabbed my arm and was like, I just want to give up, Christina. How do you do it? How do you wake up every day knowing that you're going to face some pain? And it just made me really want to cry. I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, my God, because I felt every what she said was like she really meant it. And I had been in that dark place before in the hospital and just feeling like the doctor's not going to figure this out. And I just told her we got to look forward to those better days and just keep the faith that it's going to be a sunshine after all this rain, you know. You just – have to keep that mentality no matter we kind of got to go delirious a little bit with it because <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like it's not going to happen so you really got to force yourself to think that and whatever your why is and I thank God I was blessed with a daughter because I felt like she became my why and reason to keep living because we go through so much pain and and people and doctors can't even figure out that it does get you in this dark depression but once, you know, if we each, I tell people we fight together. We are in this together, and as long as we all are giving support, we can make it. We're going to make it. We're going to be all right. And you just got to believe that and say that every day, no matter how hard it gets. Now, you you, t- you talked a little bit about family, and how important is family? And I know it was great for you to finally get, I mean, are you? It was great to finally get a diagnosis, but it was great to finally know what was going on so you knew how to do that. But how important was it, what, how big a relief was it to your family to know, like, okay, this is what we've got. You know, this is what we're dealing with. Instead of that, you know, oh, Christina's sick. You know, what can we do to, to, to just sort of help you get by? But to find out finally this is what it is and this is what we can do to, to help you thrive and to help you with the work you're doing through the Christina Project. Yeah, it was, oh, my family, when they found out, you know, it was lupus, the reaction was, what's that? Because <laughs> nobody <laughs> even knows what it is. It's like, what is that? What What you mean? You got lupus. Like, everybody's like, what is that? Because it wasn't, you know, Tony Braxton wasn't so loud back then. I love her, and I had the ability to meet her through um, Lupus LA's event. So there's so many wonderful oh lupus organizations, but back then it wasn't a Nick Cannon, you know, all these celebrities talking about lupus, so I had to keep telling the same stories every time. Lupus is a chronic illness that affects your insides and your organs, and it's your your immune system is overreactive. I have an overreactive immune system, so it's, my body is fighting itself, basically, because, you know, that's what lupus does. You know, so I was, and then I, what happens to me, I was having random swelling in my legs. Sometimes I couldn't walk. So it was hard for my family is I'm the one who they always ask, are you okay? Are you okay? So it's such, it sucks sometimes to be around everybody when you're not okay, but you're trying to pretend and they're looking at you and they can tell something is actually wrong with you. So my family, they know what's going on. They know when I have my bad days, they know when it's my good days. They're understanding when I have to cancel plans last minute because I'm having a flare. They get when I need to just rest or I'm not not to overdo myself or check on me. You been to your doctor's appointments? How you doing? Making sure life isn't too stressful for me, just to make sure I'm not in a flare. 
so it was good for them to know, and they are so supportive and helping me raise awareness for lupus. It's just been really beautiful having their support. And whenever I'm in the hospital, the nurses call my room the party room <laughs> because all my family is there. <laughs> so it's, I love my family. They have been very supportive through everything. <laughs> I mean, that is that is that is beautiful. And you know what? And that's the same thing. I had a friend who had lupus. Nobody knew what it, what it was. And they went everywhere, like, to, from trying to just, how to make you feel better? We don't know what's wrong with you. To there were some, like you said, it's like, well, how come you don't feel like getting up and doing anything? Family is important. We're going to take a break, and we want to talk, and then I want to come back and talk about something else that's important, not only for lupus, but that you're helping raise awareness about, and that's paid sick leave. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I am talking to Christina Hayes. She is not only a lupus warrior. She doesn't just advocate for other lupus warriors, people who are just trying to make it to that next day so that they can feel stronger and better. Recently, there was an article in the Free Press where she was talking about the need for sick leave, paid sick leave. And, you know, Christina, I remember at one of the lupus lupus um, events, it was at a brunch, and it, <coughs> excuse me, there was a woman who was there. Her employer came, and her employer came, and she said, I'm giving this money because I never knew that she had lupus. She said, she never missed a day. I mean, she always came in no matter what. She came in and she hmm. worked. Part of the reason was, guess what? She couldn't. She didn't have a whole lot of paid sick leave. And I've talked to other people who, like you know, like you said, like maybe you had to drop out of some of your classes. Maybe you had to miss a lot of work, and suddenly, you know, you find your job in jeopardy because you don't have paid sick leave. Lupus requires maintenance. Let's face it; you have to get blood draws. You have to go for chemo, you have to do all this. How hard was it, even though you had the diagnosis and past employers, when you went to them to sort of say, hey, I need to take time off. And why are you so passionate about sickly, paid sickly? Oh, thank you for answering. Like you said, um, Treatment for lupus, is, it takes a lot of doctor appointments. It takes blood draws. Doctors got to 
check on your blood to see what different levels are to see where you're at. And then at the time, um, working, I was also getting chemo infusions. So that's making a doctor appointment um, every, you know, two times out of the month. So that's trying to plan around the work schedule. It, gets, it was very um, difficult and actually trying to just go to work around all my appointments and with the different medications I was on, it was such a struggle just to be present. But, you know, I tell people, even though you have a chronic illness, you are still a great employee. Like I was still, still, my numbers was great. My uh, customer service numbers was awesome. So my boss knew I could do my job. It was just sometimes I needed a day off or I needed to try to schedule uh, for appointments. So for a long time, since I was diagnosed at the age of 19, I was doing little short part-time jobs here and there. But then I finally got into corporate America um, working at a big cable company and that is when I discovered how it really is when you're working a full-time job and you're faced with trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to take care of myself after all these vacation days have ran out? So I learned how to file for FMLA. So I was like, okay, I got, I had to struggle just to make it a year at my job because the requirement to get FMLA is that you be there at your employer for a year. So I made it to a year, I got FMLA, but the problem with FMLA is your employer forces you to use all your vacation days, all your pay days. So you, once those are used up, you're taking those days off without losing your job, but you also aren't getting paid. So I, I was going to get chemo treatments for my kidney failure, but after I ran out of the monies for with FMLA, I was just like, okay, even though I'm not going to lose my job, my light's going to get turned off or, you know, I was trying to take care of my daughter. I had a car note. I had car insurance. So I stopped going to my doctor appointments because I didn't have any more leave left. And I was just still going to work and getting my symptoms. And it took to the point where I passed out at work and had to be taken out on a stretcher. And that's just crazy because – I was more worried about a paycheck than my health. And the young lady at my job reached out to me because she heard, you know, the story of what was going on with me. And she was like, you know, hey, I'm connected to this organization, and um, we fight for things like pay leave and, like, what you're going through with having to choose between your health and taking care of you and your daughter and going to work. Like, you know, sharing your testimony can really help change laws and legislation is what she told me. And I was like, really? Wow. So I decided to uh, reach out to the organization called Mothering Justice, and I told them my story, and they asked me to join the coalition, and I have been speaking at a whole lot of different press conferences, and they um, gave me media help with just being effectively sharing my story. They were like, Christina, we're going to help you learn how to talk about lupus Within 30 seconds, if it's only 30 seconds you got to talk to somebody, we're going to teach you how to say everything you got to say. <laughs> In those 30 seconds, you got to be effective with these Congress members, with our elected officials, holding them responsible for bringing about change and pay leave for people. And it's like to have been there, and I know what that's like to be making those choices. And if I had access to pay leave, then I could have at least like schedule appointments and have that set up without having to worry. And I don't want any other lupus warrior or any other mother or parent to ever have to keep going to work to the point where you pass out because you're putting your health at risk because you need the paycheck. 
So I am very passionate for us winning paid leave, and I'm now the new state paid leave organizer from my six years on up of advocating for paid leave. So it's so exciting. Um, just still fighting for everyone to get paid leave. And currently right now, um, our campaign, we have a lawsuit. We're still in the Michigan legislature and the Attorney General uh, Dana Nelson because in 2018, the Michigan legislature um, adopted our ballot initiative-led um, ballot initiative and they took our policy and completely gutted it and left out over 40% of workers having access to paid leave in Michigan. So we are working on that and working on a lot of legislation with Senator Erica Geis, and we're really mm -hmm. excited to make sure that everyone gets access to paid leave. You know, I'm listening to you talk, okay? And uh, what's going through my mind as you're talking about it, you know, you had all this going on, and you're a mother, okay? And if your kid gets sick, you know, you want to be there for your child. And it's like, but you also had knew that you had these other ones. And if you've got like, well, Christina, you've got 10 sick days. Okay, so who's the priority? And no one should have to make that choice. You know, you shouldn't have to be to the point, like you said, where you have to use up all your time, you know. And you know what? And I consider that vacation time is also a form of mental health. Sometimes you need to be there. You need to have that time with, with your, your child so that you have to use up everything, you know. Yeah, they you have to be there a year and juggle this for a year and then go through go through that. And, and as I was listening to you talking, I'm going, like, wow, how many days did she drag herself in there when she was like, well, I've only got so many days left. What if this happens? What if it happens? How do I take care of my child? And um, you talked about mothering justice. I, I was, we were laughing earlier that I knew Danielle Atkinson when she had one and a half children and saw her second <laughs> daughter born. Now she's got six. But part of what's born from mothering justice were a lot of these things that, you know, how do I make sure that I have a fair wage to take care of my child? How do I make sure that I have the time that I need, not only to take care of myself, but to be there for my family? And <clears throat> I signed those petitions for that bill. And then when you see that it gets gutted, I mean, that is just like, who are these people who up there in Lansing have more than, you know, they don't have to worry. They're not making what we are, you know, what the average person is. That they could do that and take that away from you. And the other thing I thought is that, like mothers, you don't just take care of your kids. You've got to take care of yourself. You are really standing in that crosshair of that intersection. Not only are you a mother, you're someone with a, a, a disability, an autoimmune deficiency, that you're, you're a disease that you are living with forever. You've got a child you have to take care of, and you're a worker. But here, you had that moment, and a lot of people get called, but don't say, okay, yeah, teach me how to, how to talk about it. Teach me how to give that, that 30 seconds, three minutes, speech about lupus and tie it into all of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yeah. How? What? What gave you that? That push to do that? Because I, I mean, like I know a lot of people who are like, you know, yeah, I, I know it's wrong, but you know, I got to just take care of me. Not only through the, this work that you're doing through the Christina Project, you're doing more than just taking care of you. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Then did you ever see yourself speaking before? Groups, legislatures. Here you are, an LA girl. I mean, I saw Tony Braxton. She came here right after she had had a flare up, and the love that people gave her because you could tell she wasn't, you know, a hundred percent. The love that the audience gave her. Did you ever think that? Well, many people would say the diagnosis and go like, "Oh God, I've got lupus." But this was opening these doors for you. Yes. Yeah, so. For me, if I have I ever seen myself doing what I'm doing now, I would not tell you that. I would never see myself doing what I am doing. I just know I've always been a people person. I'm like an extroverted person. I love being out and hanging with everyone. And my granny, when I was little, she always said I'm going to be a leader. <laughs> she always just felt that I was always leading something. And I did uh, always have a passion when I was younger for any injustice done or if you saw something racial or something happen on TV. I was always curious about that. But I just feel like life sometimes will guide you or put you into what your purpose is going to be. And when I went through all these different ailments, and just I feel like you have to go sometimes to a dark place to be able to bring other people's out to the light, out, bring others out to the light. And I've been there, and I'm like, I know what that's like, and I know it's so many people that could use a hand to be lifted up or a word or some encouragement, and God just has been blessing and opening the doors. So that's how I know I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing because it's just like, how is this happening? And it's just, oh, there's been so many wonderful things that just led my journey and my path to continue to be able to do the work and help people. And I have an amazing mother who also supports me and has always been by my side and has background being a police officer and social work. Yeah. So she's all, always been there to know how to help me and guide me. So it's just my journey has just been it's – been, it's a purpose-filled journey. I feel like it's bigger than me, and it's what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> now, I know your daughter doesn't say it, but you know you're her superhero. You know you <laughs> you know. I mean, what do you want her to get out of watching not only how you deal with lupus, but what you're doing now? What do you want her to get out of that? Oh, my gosh. My daughter is so amazing. And she just gave me her uh, Mother's Day card early <laughs> from school that she made. And in the Mother's Day gift, and she drew a picture of a Paley rally. <laughs> like she had me on the stage, her at the bottom saying, go, Mom. And then she had another person was saying, Paley, for all, because I take her to D.C. She goes, when I have the big rallies and the big marches, I want her to see that. And I had her come on stage with me when we went to D.C. Um, a couple, what was that? Last year we went to D.C., but I took her with me, and she stood up there on that stage. Like, right, we were a little bit outside from the White House, and I took a picture of her and had posted it, like, look at her. Like, for her future her generation, I never want her to ever have to go through what I've gone through, and hopefully she sees the change 
that her mom is doing. She's seen me in pain. She's cried when I've been in the hospital with flares. Mm-hmm. So sees that her mom is really pushing. And like my side job, like I have another job too. I work for uh, Delta Airlines as a gate agent. <laughs> So uh-huh. we travel the world, and uh, I, I said we travel the world. I want to tra- uh, change, see the world, and change the world at the same time. So my life is just such a full journey. <laughs> uh, shit. I mean, really. I mean, you know, really. You are her superhero. You are giving her, you know, you are paving the way. She is going to, you know, you're getting us in the race. She's going to take it to, she's going to live in a world where we don't have to deal with this because, there's no way when she becomes an adult and she and even now that she's not gonna sit quietly and you know take any of the stuff. So yeah. what is you know like you're talking about the article talks about how Paige sickly was in focus amid COVID nineteen, and I do know like I do a, a remote job and like they give you a little extra sick time because of COVID like they did it. However. Uh, it's been hinted that now that things are they're calling people, some people can go in and work, that they might not be as generous with some of these benefits, the paid leave and like that. What are the goals that you, as a part of this coalition with Mothering Justice and everything, what are the goals that you'd like to see made permanent? You know that they shouldn't shouldn't have needed COVID to get. Exactly, like uh, for the policies that we want to see at Mothering Justice and our Mama's agenda, which is the agenda of all the issues that matter most to Black and minority women. Um, we want to. I really want to see a paid leave policy permanently in pl- in place. Um, like we celebrated the anniversary of FMLA. And I believe what it's been 29 years, and it's like, come on now, FMLA, we're very grateful to have that. But now it's time for paid leave. It's time for folks to prioritize um, our health. Like our Congress needs to wake up and support paid leave for sure. I would like a paid leave policy. So we're not a country that is reactive, like how we reacted to the pandemic all of a sudden. All these companies could make it work for you to work at home. All of a sudden, it was really important for you not to come into work when you didn't feel well. That is still important, and we need to have a proactive policy in place to protect workers when we get sick or need to care for a loved one, and pay leave is definitely one of those things right there that I would love to see in place. So, you know, because, you know, I can tell you, Danielle and I go way far back, and there's a lot of Okay, every time we see these different administrations coming, it's like we made progress up to a certain point. Then we went back, and now we've got, even though we have, we got the president we wanted in there, but we have not only in the House and in the Senate, more in the House and in the Senate, but at state levels, we have people who seem determined to roll back things. And although paid sick leave would impact everyone, it really is would impact women, especially black and brown women who are often making the lower wages, 
who are juggling a sickness, a personal illness, raising a family, kids getting sick, all of it, all of this is doing it. So we've got midterm elections coming up. What are you doing and what guideposts should we tell people? Because, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, well, what are they going to do for the economy? Pay sick leave, again, it's part of the economy. It, it hits all of these things. But what are you telling people to maybe open their eyes as they go to the polls, motivate them to get out to vote, to not only at every level, you know, change everyone from their city council person on up to the state representative who the federal representative is doing. What, in your elevator pitch, <laughs> okay, Christina, you've got as long as you need yeah, to talk about what do, what do we need to say to people who are in office and people who would run for office and to our neighbors who are maybe saying, well, hey, I'm okay, I'm boosted, I'm vaccinated and boosted, I'm fine. What do we need to be saying? Oh, no. So for our elections and everything coming up, it is so important to get out and vote, vote, vote. Look, I also work for the Department of Elections, so every time we got an election day, Look, I'm not, no, you're like, this girl got a million jobs. But I, I work for the Detroit, the Detroit Department of Elections. I'm the chairperson on the east side of Detroit. Uh, what's my district? Uh, 287. But our election turnout has been horrible. We had, at my district, we only had about 30 people show up that day. Your local elections are more important than the presidential elections. So it is important to get out and vote and know who you're voting for. Jump on Google, look up your district, see who's running, see what uh, issues matter to them because they will have them posted. And we have to vote for very strong elected officials who will be champions to the issues that matter most to us that are from where we're from, who know our struggles. Like It's so important to get out and vote. Just And if a person thinks, well, hey, I have access to paid leave. I got a good job. This doesn't matter to me. Yes, it does matter because we still have to fight for the for the uh, essential workers. With they in the pandemic, it was the grocery store workers, the fast food workers. So if you want to go to the grocery store and feel safe, those workers need paid leave too. If you want to go get fast food, those workers need paid leave too. So it's like we have to all stand together to get things handled. We got to know the voting process. We got to really do better with getting out to these local elections because people forget after the presidential election to who to vote for and whatnot. But please do look up like who is locally running because we have some amazing champions that we really need to show up and show out for, um, especially with the August 2nd election happening in Detroit. Like we really, really got to get out. <laughs> so it's really important to vote. Oh, really? You know, I mean, and that's what I can tell people, you know, you have to do really the midterms and those local elections are, I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road. You need to be showing up at those, making sure that you've got people there who are keeping policies, who are hearing your voice, who are not just going to get to D.C. and think it's like, you know, well, I just have to be in district every now and then. I don't really care. It's like who's running for these offices? Who is representing you? And, you know, I know a lot of people who thought pre-COVID, you know, hey, I've got it made. Everything is fine. 
And guess what? You know, they're maybe like two paychecks away from not having, who are one diagnosis away from needing paid sick leave. I mean, so there's things that just like everything is golden right now can turn and change in a heartbeat. If nothing else, COVID has shown us that, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, and and the fact that many people don't, you know, like the essential workers, hey, we see what happened when there weren't enough essential workers and you, the same ones who were fortunate enough to be able to go into the store and hoard all the toilet paper were pissed off (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, know, there were no essential workers. Well, guess what? You know, know, the amount of money you make doesn't mean about the quality of life that you have. Everyone should have a quality life. Wow. Oh, girl, I'll tell you, I'm loving you. I mean, you are so busy. You said, man, I have another job. (laughs) I know. People ask me, how do I do it all? I'm like, well, the Department of Elections, that's when we're on election day, so I'm there making sure everyone votes. And and then I do part-time seasonal at Delta, so I'm not there all year. (laughs) I'll make it work. I'm telling you, it's God. God gives me the energy and People don't see the background and what I go through, but those closest to me see me make it out the hospital every now and then, and I get right back to kicking and pushing, and I just, I'm so thankful for my support team for just uplifting me in their prayers and keeping me going. (laughs) Well, I am, I am just like, I am just like, of course I love you. You know, you're just amazing. You're just amazing, you know what? (laughs) There are so many amazing women who are just doing things, you know. I mean, because I, when I met Danielle, in fact, I forget which baby she had, but she was in Lansing, and there wasn't a changing table in the bathroom. And she used it as an opportunity to talk to her representative about the need to have changing tables for mothers. I mean, you know, it's just like, and here you are. You were sick, and you used it as a... Even after you recovered it, you remembered what it was like. You used it as an opportunity to go and visit people and just bring them a word of encouragement, some balloons, some flowers, to partner with someone like Sharon, who basically, that wasn't what she would, she'll tell you, that wasn't what her plan was to do, to now she's doing, making a difference. And then you, you hook up with Danielle. I mean, it's like such amazing women doing things. I mean, you know. Yes, I love them. I love them so much. <laughs> I mean, you you have to. You have to, you know. We're going to take our second break, and then I want to talk about Lupus Awareness, Awareness Month, and we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. 
And we're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. And my guest today, <laughs> okay, I, she came on the show, and I found you because of lupus awareness and through our mutual friend, um, Sharon Harris, who is the executive director and um, founder of Lupus Detroit. Also, we have so many, you know, like you talk about the six degrees of separation. I mean, I think we're down to like three degrees of separation. Um, and and it's, just, it's just amazing. But it is Lupus Awareness Month. And even though it's been around, you have more people who are visible. There's a whole lot of people who still don't know what lupus is. I mean, um, I was talking to someone and I was saying, they said, oh, well, you know, we were talking about Tony Braxton. They said, well, you know, she's got some kind of some kind of disease. They don't know what it is. I said, you know, it's lupus, and this is what lupus is. What are the signs of lupus? Now, you talked about some of the different ways that um, people recognize that you were diagnosed with it. I know that many people, um, and I know that you know Sharon Epps, who draws beautiful butterflies on people's face, particularly at her own events, but at the lupus walk, at lupus things. That's how I met her first. Because one of the signs can be this butterfly rash that many people um, get who have lupus. What are some of the other symptoms or signs that maybe someone needs to, and, and if their doctor keeps misdiagnosing, that might say to someone, hey, Maybe I should get checked for lupus. Oh yeah, for me it started off um, as and then lupus and the symptoms are what I've discovered are very different in a lot of different people. So each person's experience can be completely different. Um, for me, it just started off with extreme fatigue when even taking a nap doesn't help you. Like something is going on, your body is talking to you at that point. Um, that's called like overexhaustion when you can't even do what you want to do, like pay attention to your body. Um, then for me, the second symptom was um, arthritis pain when your bones start locking up at your joints and it gets hard to do the simple things, getting out of the bed in the morning starts getting harder for you. Um, what else was it? I did get the butterfly rash as well. Um, and that's like these little red tiny dots that kind of looks like across your nose and your cheek area. Um, that's something to look out for. That's really one of the main indicators for, for some doctors because they see that in lupus patients. Um, one young lady, she was telling me she was having these nosebleeds and things, and they had to check her for that. And there's a lot of symptoms that can mimic uh, lupus, but it might not be lupus. So I just don't want people to wake up one day and be sore and just scare yourself and say, oh, I think I have lupus. It's not like that. You know, just definitely check with your doctor and advocate for yourself really, really, really to the max because you know your body better than anybody else. So even if a doctor is consistently telling you nothing's wrong or not paying attention to what your ailment is, I would suggest like seeing a different doctor possibly that'll actually listen to you and do what needs to be done to help heal you. So that's a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I think that that's it. A lot of people, um, they're, they're 
symptoms are so different. And one thing, you're not immediately going to get the butterfly rash. Some people have different things. But to find that doctor, and if the first doctor that you see doesn't give you an answer, to look for some, you know, keep asking. You know, keep asking for more tests, more tests, more tests. Now, now, you know, and also I think the other thing that people talk about is like, okay, lupus. It's not like a death sentence, you know. I mean, it is, and I think that often people are afraid to find out about diseases because, uh, like you said, when you as soon as you say chemotherapy, they go like, "Oh, it's cancer." No, you know, this is lupus. There's different treatments, and one of the lupus warriors who passed, did Beverly die? I mean, she she lived with it for many, 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 many years, touched many, yeah. many lives, and you know, and that, and most people who knew her outside of the lupus community didn't realize that she had lupus, you know. Right. Yeah, what I want people to know is once you get a diagnosis of lupus, don't just immediately think, oh, my life is over. I'm forever going to be sick. Like, definitely not. What I wish I had, because people ask since it's been like over 14 years for me getting a diagnosis, they ask, what would you wish somebody would have told you when you were first diagnosed? I wish somebody would have told me, my life is still going to continue on. I won't be sick every day. I'm going to have good days to still look forward to. I'm stronger than I think I am. Um, this is just my body telling me I got to make some changes because I, what I found out is changing my diet, which a lot of doctors might not mention, but just changing what we eat and put in our bodies, how we mentally handle stress. Like if you do those things as well, those are all a part of things that can help us feel better outside of medications and whatnot. You really have to take care of your temple, your body, eat good. You can't have McDonald's and pizza all the time. You really got to pay attention to triggers that make you feel bad because it's truly what we eat. I've been out the country, and I see how other countries eat, and they super clean and healthy. We are the only one with all these snacks and stuff at the store. Uh-huh. So you just got to be careful. There is healing. There is healing in lupus. We can heal ourselves. We can have more better days and bad days if we do certain things to help ourselves. (laughs) You know, lupus Detroit, one of the things that it does, it has these monthly support meetings. I've been to some of those. And like you talked about healing. One day I forget someone came. They had all of these fresh vegetables and fruits. And they brought them, they were bagging them up, and so, and she was like, y'all come out to my car, I've got all these fruits and vegetables, you know you need to be eating better. Uh, there was someone who was talking about how sun affected her, and she had found something that she could wear when she was out, she said, and it wasn't as heavy as wearing a coat, you know, because there's another lady who oh, said, oh, I wear my coat, and this is always her... And it was like this sharing of information. Now, how important, and, and Sharon Harris talks about how that's what she found. And like, just like what you were saying, that there's life, there's hope, there's ways that there are coping mechanisms to do it. How important 
is it for someone when they get that diagnosis to find a support group of other lupus lawyers? I think that is it is so important once you get a diagnosis of lupus to connect with people. That was another thing I wish I would have had. If somebody passed me a folder and, and say, here's a folder of information and people you can connect to that are going through what you are here, are families who you can ask how they've been doing, how are they getting through it, because that was not given to me. I jumped on Google, and when you jump on Google, it tells you about to die. <laughs> so you get to panic and like, Oh God! And you researching all of this stuff, and you just you're talking to nobody. But man, it was a blessing finding Lupus Detroit and all the ladies. Like you said, once you go to a support group and you get to talking to the other women who've been through it and going through it, and most of them are pretty strong too. Like you, you know, having that support and connection with relatable people. It's like you can have your friends in your life who are going to be there for you no matter what, but they can't really understand it because they're not going through it too. So I found, like, my lupus warrior friends, those are my girls too, and they my uh-huh. sisters. We check up on each other like, hey, you doing good? Or what medications you on? Or how does that make you feel? Or what you trying? Because they always approve of some new FDA drug, so you want to know who trying what. But it's just so beautiful to connect with Lupus Detroit and their support groups because we fight together and you really feel like you're winning together. When somebody has a win, you happy for them. When they sad, you sad for them. And we all keep each other uplifted and we can't wait to see each other at all the different events and everything. So it is just, it's lovely having a support group like Lupus Detroit when you have a diagnosis for lupus. And, and you know, even to that point where, I mean, it's like, oh, you don't have to check out if it's Dr. Snickery, and they can tell you about a doctor, you know, somebody who they've had success. Exactly. Go see this doctor and go hit it. How did you hear about Lucas Detroit? Let me think. Um, I was, that's how I found out about Lucas Detroit. I was getting ready to host what's called Purple Night, and I was inviting them, all my friends and family, to come out to this club. And I thought, everybody wear purple, and we're going to donate monies to a lupus foundation. That's what we're doing. That's what I told everybody. And I was getting this event together, um, just still spreading lupus awareness. And somebody told me, hey, did you know it's this lady? Uh, she has Lupus Detroit, um, a foundation that helps lupus words, and somebody just told me I reminded them of her. And I was like, really? Who is it? So I had met her and just started going to all of her uh, support groups and events, and I've been down with her since she first started Lupus Detroit. <laughs> and, you know, and there is, there's something about the strength, and I think, and, you know, I always have to give a shout-out to, to Sharon because, I mean, once, I think the last time that I had talked to her, she had had a couple of strokes that year. She mm-hmm. was still cool. I mean, and it's sort of like, well, hey. And she said, well, my mom knows now. She saw me. She said she just wrapped me up, took me to the, to the hospital because she knew what was going on. But it's like, just like you say, and I've got another job, and I'm doing this, and I'm going and doing that. Every time I talk to her, she's doing something. And you know how you talked about how mm-hmm. you might have that 501c3, but it's about doing the work and in your mind and heart and soul, knowing that this is what you're supposed to be doing. The rest will come. Yes. Because the first, it will. Time that I, it will. the first time I talked to her, she was like, you know, she was doing it all by herself. And she said, I don't know how long. It's so hard. 
And she said, and guess what? Within a year, suddenly she had a board of people who were picking, who were helping her do that heavy lifting because you're doing what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do. And that's what I hear from you. You are doing what you are supposed to be doing. And, you know, it's not all about, it's not all about you, you know, you're doing it and you you took the time, that's all you've been through to go see somebody. I mean, the visual in my mind of you showing up in that hospital room with flowers, balloons, and the look on that face, that is just so moving to me. And that, you know, there's no self-pity in your voice. Not, you don't hear that. And you want to know what's the funny thing that happened one time with doing the Christina Project work? One time, it was a young lady that has lupus, right? She was in her hospital room, and her roommate, who's on the other side of the curtain in there with her, also found out she had lupus. And her family was there, and she, she, the lupus warrior who was on the other side called me, and she said, I don't need you to bring me nothing. I'm fine. But my girl on the other side of the room, she could use some uplifting. So I know what you do. So if you could come. So I got there to the hospital. And, of course, I had, I'm had i known for coming with a whole bunch of smiley face balloons, red balloons. I, and I try to pick the most prettiest roses and flowers. So I got there to the room. And the young lady, she was like, oh, yeah, she over there on the other side. She figured I was there for the other young lady. And I said, oh, no, she called me here for you. <laughs> And the look on her face was, what are you here for me? <laughs> it was just so beautiful. And I actually had double the balloons and double the flowers because I was still going on the other side to give her her flowers. So it's just, look at lupus warriors in the hospital helping each other. Like, it was just so beautiful. <laughs> is is that part of your medicine? Is that part of your your personal healing? As I you think give- so. When I- Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think it helps me feel better because sometimes when you're going through it yourself, it's better to, I feel like I'm blessed. Like I'm, I never take a day for granted. Like if somebody who's going through something worse than me, if somebody who's in this with me, is somebody who needs me out there, like I, it really does help me to continue push in my own life. So it, it's inspirational. People don't know it, but when I come see them, it actually helps me. Really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, um, another business, okay, Lupus Detroit has monthly meetings. They do have a website, <coughs> which is yes, it's www.lupusdetroit.org. Yep, it's www.lupusdetroit.org, pretty sure. Right. And on there, they'll have about, I know they were doing some of them virtual they um, they intentionally would try to do them at different places to make sure that everybody was able to access it. I am glad that things are, are sort of where we're kind of able to see each other because even though virtual is okay, sometimes being in that space in that room, hearing those stories and doing it, I mean, it's just like amazing. I You know, one the other thing that they have coming up in June – is a gala like they've done brunches they've done the galas before one year when they did the gala we had just i talked to sharon and we just sort of put it out there hey our meeting is this is this week anybody who has you know 
we don't want anyone to not feel they can't go because they don't have something to wear. And when we got mm-hmm. there, thinking that there'd be, you know, a couple of dresses, there were racks of dresses that people wow. people brought. I mean, and it was just like, wow, you know, people who heard who just said, well, you know, I'm not wearing this. So there were racks of dresses so everyone could come and show up and, and feel good, you know, because sometimes we have to celebrate. We have to celebrate our lives, celebrate what we're doing. I yes, know that I always the the lupus galas that lupus Detroit those are so beautiful and it's so okay. many people there and I'm so happy it's coming back this year and you were talking about dresses I got one of my dresses from a thrift store one time and it was the most gorgeous purple dress I tell you <laughs> so I tell you, make sure y'all get out for the I think it's June fourth this year the lupus gala yes yeah, it is I mean and it, I, I'm excited about it I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm looking forward to seeing all the lupus warriors I've seen Sharon. The other thing that they do is like, I mean, lupus families. They had a lupus warrior who passed, and her husband, in her honor, established a scholarship so that people, and the thing that's beautiful about this, usually when you think about scholarships, you think, oh, some... uh, a high school kid who's going back to who's going to college, but it's someone who's had lupus. Who even if you're doing a career change, if you're getting something just to 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 start a new career, you know, or to get back in, you, maybe you haven't been able to work and you're able to to get this. I mean, I think that that's just amazing uh, that they're going yes. to do that. Um, the gala, like you said, it is June fourth. It's going to be at the Soundboard Theater. I mean, and I, I know the last one I went, they did a brunch that was at Sinbad. I think that was the last thing I went to pre-pandemic. Yes, that was so nice. The white Wasn't party. Nice? And we were all dressed up yes. in white, and we, and we were gorgeous. We were gorgeous. And we had a <laughs> yes, time. we were. You know, Sharon's mother was going around saying, sit down, sit down, sit down. And, of course, she never did. <laughs> <laughs> so I am really looking forward to this on June 4th. And um, there are tickets available online at the website. Uh, you can get them through Eventbrite. And I forget. Well, there's a price in there. We'll figure it out. Um, anyone can go there. I want to say that it's $80, but I'm not sure. But I would just suggest that you go to the Lupus Detroit site. The other thing that I'm hoping come back is the Lupus Walk, which was always at the end of August, right around September, which is phenomenal because you'll have, I'm sure you've been to, but you have whole families there, whole families there supporting that one family member or or maybe that family member can't walk, they're walking in them, walking for them, or they're walking in yes. memory of someone who has passed. Uh, Sandra Epps will be there painting faces. I think it's I mean, the adults have to wait to actually. I kids always get my face painted. <laughs> I know, I know. And she is another like dynamo, you know. But she's always there painting faces, and you come away, and through all these events, including the walk from you know the monthly meetings, the gala, the the walk, you come away feeling like you're part of a family. 
We yeah. are a family. We speak together. We win together. The Lupus Walks are such a great gathering for Lupus Warriors. We all get to talk together, walk together, and it's so beautiful. And she releases the butterflies. That part uh-huh. is just the best, I think. I'm just like, uh-huh. oh, makes you want to cry. <laughs> it is. I mean, isn't it? It's just like so beautiful. And like I said, when you, you know, when you think about life and how hard life can be, and you see people who have lupus, when you see their families walking with them, and you see the kids with their faces painted, and you know, and they're laughing and they're walking and everybody's walking together, and you see everybody dressed up, you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to June because I, I have to find a dress, you know, but you know, that we're dressed <laughs> up and there, but the thing is, we're there, and there's so much love, and there's so much hugs, and there's so much support. And when you see, yes. when I mean, when they announce the names of the scholarships, I'm it's like somebody I know. I'm so proud of them. And I don't know, I'm from Booth, but you know, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of them doing what they're doing. And now, I get to hug you. Sharon has dibs on hugs, but I get to meet you in person and have. And you know what? I'm sure that when we're in the room, we're going to go, out, girl, I've seen you a million times and all these other things. But I mean, I'm just looking forward to, to meeting you in person, giving you that big hug. Yes. You I can't wait to meet you. Too. A lot of people say, whoa, I didn't know you were that tall when they see me in person. I'm the six feet person coming at you. <laughs> and, you know, and... You are the superhero for your daughter. But, you know, there are other little girls. Now, always tell people, you know, it doesn't have to be yours, but I know there are other little girls who are going to hear your daughter talk about what she does with her mom and what her mom has overcome and what her mom is doing. There are other little girls who you are going to be their superhero because they're going to go like, wow. If she can do it, I can do it too. You know, and there are people, and there are other women out there who are going to hear this and and see the work that you're doing, not only with the Christina Project, I mean, with all your many jobs, (laughs) with Mothering Justice, with every place where you show up in your full self, and you are you are making that difference. Thank you. <laughs> Don't make me cry. <laughs> oh. I just I just always hope that, you know, I hope to be around forever and ever. But my daughter, it's like what Tony Braxton said about her journey with lupus. One of her biggest fears is just not being around, not being there for her daughter. So I just hope I'm leaving my mark on the world and I'm here for as long as possible for my daughter, for lupus warriors, to help other mothers and connect with beautiful people like yourself. It's just life is beautiful. Tomorrow is not promised, and we just have to do the most with the time that we're given. That's right. right. Well, Christina, Mm -hmm. I want to thank you. I look forward to meeting you on June 4th. Um, Yes. Yes. It's going to be great. Thank you for all you do and for showing up. For showing up as a mother, a lupus warrior, and a black woman, you know, you make me proud. 
<laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor being on your podcast. <laughs> I want to thank my guest, Lupus Warrior and founder of the Christina Project, Christina Hayes. The mission of the Christina Project is to provide inspiration, comfort, and care to patients with lupus and lupus-related conditions that are hospitalized and their families. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.